The Education Apple, Episode 8, recorded on December 18, 2012. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as in the classroom of our daily lives. Welcome back. Um, we are uh, recording tonight just before Christmas here, so this is kind of our end of the year show, I guess you could say. And uh, we'll do look at a couple special things here at the end of the year uh, as we uh, wrap things up for 2012. But uh, I did want to um, welcome our our cast in tonight. Uh, we have Barrett Mossbacker, superintendent of Briarwood Christian School. How you doing tonight, Barrett? I'm doing great, Bill. Thank you. Great. Glad to have you tonight. And uh, also Rick Stores, who is the founder and lead trainer for the Mac Instructor, and he is um, relatively new to our podcast, but we are uh, more than uh, glad he has joined us. And uh, welcome in tonight, Rick. Thanks. Glad to be here. Okay, uh, so to kind of kick our uh, show off tonight, I thought we would uh, look at the week in review, and we've had several big things that have um, hit the Apple world this week. I think the first one uh, to mention, which uh, really uh, kind of covered up the, the news for about uh, 48 hours, I guess you'd say, and that is the release of the Google Maps application for iOS. Of course, that has been... Um, anticipated for a good while, and uh, as soon as it came out, uh, people jumped on it. I think there were 10 million downloads in less than 48 hours when uh, when it finally hit the App Store. So that's, I believe, that's a, a record. That <laughs> people were waiting on that with bated breath and uh, pounced on it as soon as it came out. Um, I'm I'm guessing that both you guys grabbed it already. Is that right? Uh, I certainly did, and yeah. I can just imagine the folks at the Google are kind of laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, you know they're obviously very happy at uh, that it was uh, received the way it was, but I don't think anybody uh, was surprised at all. But um, you know, they they have uh, of course improved it. It's it's a little different app than what it was originally, and um, the the uh, uh, interface, the user interface has been uh, totally redone and uh, looks pretty good. And I think it's um, a little more simplified than it used to be. Uh, but uh, you know, so it's it's um, uh, undergone a facelift, I guess you could say. Um, and it's got uh, it's got some iOS speech recognition capabilities within it, and um, it it doesn't have the the Siri integration uh at least not as much as the uh, uh Apple's map application does but i guess that would be expected at this point although you can uh use Siri to uh uh get into it or to, to start a Google Maps um uh the application uh, we'll talk about that here in just a minute um but uh, the, another limitation, I guess you could say, with it is that um, it doesn't integrate with the address book, and that's a pretty big deal. I think um, you know that will be remedied hopefully pretty soon because I think a lot of people um, would would definitely utilize that, and that's a, a big a big uh, feature that is missing. Um, 
And uh, I, <laughs> Rick, I, you've you you talked last time about um, being a pretty heavy uh, maps user uh, when you're mm-hmm. out and about on your uh, uh, with your work. And what 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 are your impressions of uh, of the new Google Maps application? Um, I I like it. I'm a little thrown off just by the the sort of subtle differences to the user interface of it. Um, so I'm I'm just kind of trying to figure out how it works and how the voice works with it because I, I guess I was expecting uh, like one of those microphone buttons that a lot of the other Google apps have. Um, I, I'm hoping that it will eventually have a little bit more integration, like you said, with the address book. Um, but also with the other Google search app uh, that you can download um, just so that they talk to each other a little bit more. Um, Because right now it it just seems like it was, you know, it's good, but it definitely has the feel of like a a 1.0 app. Right, right. And I've got to, yeah. Hey, Bill, I will say that uh, actually, coincidentally, I had downloaded it yesterday or day before, and I actually used the... uh, navigation feature last night for the first time because I had to go to some place I hadn't been before. Uh, and I will say that it worked quite well, and I have a Bluetooth Good. system in my car, so the navigation, uh, the voiceover, uh, fed through my speaker system. And so I was able to drive, and it pretty much gave me a turn-by-turn directions and uh, for my iPhone, and yeah. I found that it worked really quite well. Good, good. That's that's what it's supposed to do, but I do have a, a failure story with it. Um and I thought this was a pretty <laughs> this was a pretty simple test for it, but uh, I live uh, probably about three to four miles away from uh, the church I attend, so I just uh, put in uh, the request to get the directions to my church, and it did not give me good directions. In fact, it drove me uh, if I if I would have been driving, I wasn't driving. I just looked at uh, the results that it gave me, but it would have driven me right past the main entrance to the church and taken me oh about a mile or two around in a big circle uh, back to the back entrance, and um, I was kind of surprised by that. <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I figured that was going to be a pretty easy test for it, and I did try it in uh, a couple of other. Um, well, in Apple and Waze, and both of those just uh, took me straight to what I would expect, uh, you know, the entrance uh, of the church. So um, that was a little disappointing, but I I think that just points out that none of these are going to be perfect uh, uh, navigational applications, so we just got to kind of recognize that as we use them and... um, uh, it's always good to have several in case one doesn't <laughs> doesn't provide the results that we expect or need. So, um, yeah. But jury's still out. I think you're right. It's still um, not beta, but it's a, a 1.0 release. So I'm sure some uh, improvements will be coming to it shortly. But um, it is still good to see that they're back on the, the iPhone and iPad. So uh, that was uh, big news. From the past week, another uh, interesting iPhone um, uh, tidbit is that it was released in the iPhone 5. It is was released in China uh, this last weekend, and they sold um, two million in during the weekend, which was a uh, a big record, I think. Um, so uh, the Chinese are enjoying the the iPhone 5 now. So. Uh, and I guess stockholders are happy about that as well. Is that right, Rick? 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely for sure. Yeah, it, it helped a little bit, but you know, the stock. I don't know. I, I still need it to get a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. It's it's man, the stock's been taking a little bit of a hit lately, but um, there's still predictions that uh, there'll be uh, up to 50 million iPhones sold here in the the fourth quarter. So that can't that can't hurt. Hopefully that'll uh, bump up the stock price some. But uh, that's still an amazing amazing number. Yeah. So um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in the, uh, the AT&T store this past uh, week. I uh, upgraded my iPad. I, I went and got the uh, fourth generation iPad due to several reasons. They were um, offering $100 off uh, of the iPad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, you hadn't heard about that. That's if you, Of course, that's if you sign up for the 24-month data plan, but I use that anyway. I was paying uh, that pretty much anyway, yeah. so I figured we'll... If I'm paying for it, I might as well take advantage of the discount. So um, they'll yeah, they'll, no joke. they'll get me in the long run on that. But um, you know, they, I'm still coming out a hundred dollars ahead on it. But uh, so anyway, but <clears throat> they also have a um, some new data plans, and I had kind of held off on um, going with one of the newer data plans because I had several um, of the unlimited. Uh, grandfather data plans on my iPhones. I have four iPhones, and two of them were uh, the unlimited data plan that was grandfathered in. But if you really know much about that, they really start to cap them or or throttle them once you get over uh, between two and three uh, gig of downloads for a month. So um, I just went ahead and uh, went with a new data plan, which is pretty pretty good. It's uh, I think I get 10 gig of data for the month and that can be shared across all my iPhones and my iPad and um I don't think I'm going to be going over that. Uh, I don't I'm not a huge user of uh, the data anyway, but it also lets me kind of spread it across um the different devices and use it as needed. So uh, I finally gave in and and went with that. So um anyway, but now does that does that include your home as well? Well, um, no. You talking about like okay. uh, UVerse or any of that that type of uh, yeah, internet yeah. Service? It's just, I mean, ten gigs is a ton. I'm not even sure if I do that much on uh, on my home network. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I didn't know if it was included. No, no. It's just um, it's just across your your mobile devices. So uh, that can include I, your iPads and uh, iPhones. That's pretty much it, I guess you could say. So. Um, well, you know, Bill, it's interesting. I just got today uh, my new iPad. Oh, yeah? Uh, yes, and uh, I was able to – I went ahead and stayed with my grandfather data plan, so I was able to call AT&T, get it switched over, switched over from my old iPad to the newest one today. So I've gone ahead and kept my uh, grandfathered unlimited data plan. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to give up something that says unlimited, but uh, <laughs> when you look under the covers, it's, you know – a uh, little bit of a of a deceptive name, but uh, I mm. I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna um, uh, need any more than than what I've got. Plus, the other nice thing it it allows is um, th- uh, uh, tethering of my phone or iPad. I can use it as a, a hotspot, and um, mm. and then also I think you get the uh, FaceTime over the network as opposed to Wi-Fi. So there was a couple other benefits that were uh, part of of upgrading, and um, you know, not that I use those a whole lot, but it is nice to 
uh, have the tethering capability, especially uh, oh, yeah. when you're on the LTE network. Because, um, you know, if you're somewhere, a, a hotel or something, and trying to use their Internet, generally I don't have very good success with that. <laughs> the, most of those are, are undersized and, and slow. Uh, so this way you could use, um, you know, if you've got a decent uh, cell connection, you can tether and, you know, bypass that and, and have a good connection. So, um, you know, it, it could come in handy at times for that reason. So so we'll see how it goes, but I, I think it's going to work out pretty good, uh, at least for my my needs. And I don't have to worry about my kids going over and costing me more than I'm expecting. So that's a benefit as well. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, another couple of little statistics I'll throw out there that I noticed this week was that um, – there, uh, for the iPad minis, the, the new iPad minis that are out, apparently 47% of those that are purchasing, uh, that device are first timers and, um, of the, uh, the iPads, just the, the regular iPads, 56% of those are new to Apple. So there, there's a lot of, wow. uh, a lot of new folks coming into the Apple world with those devices for sure. And, uh, you know, there may not yeah, be. Yeah, I know it's kind of anecdotal, but, most of my clients, their first their first Apple device is an iPad, um, and so a, a lot of the the training isn't just you know this is this is what a tablet's like, but it's you know this is what this is how Apple does things. You know this is sort of the Apple um, world and everything, and it's it's interesting to me because if you had asked me before the app before the iPad launched, you know I would have thought that it'd be people who already had a Mac or an iPhone and just wanted that you know third device, but. Yeah, I definitely agree with these statistics. Yeah, I think that that mini is a good entry point into the the Apple operating system, and you know, as people get more comfortable with that, they'll probably be more comfortable with with moving to you know a laptop, an Apple laptop or desktop. So it's definitely a good device for from a number of different standpoints there. So um, mm-hmm. that that should help to uh, grow the Apple market share, and uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on that. And um, it'll be fun to watch how how those devices kind of change change the world. Uh, you know, there are some other tablet devices out there that are getting a lot of attention, and um, uh, I think Apple still has the lead on everybody. But we'll we'll watch and see how that all kind of shakes out over the course of the next year or so. Um, so also there was, uh, another little, uh, Google app that hit the market. It didn't get as much, uh, press or visibility as the, the maps application did, but, uh, YouTube capture is a new app that's out in the app store that was released, uh, on the uh, 17th of this month. And, um, it's uh, one of these little apps, pretty simple, but it uh, instantly records and uploads video to your YouTube account, and um, it's got a few features in it, color uh, correction and stabilization and cropping, and you can also upload not only to YouTube, but Google Plus and FaceTime and Twitter all at the same time. So um, I say FaceTime, Facebook and Twitter uh, simultaneously, so... Um, it's, uh, you know, if you do a lot with, with video and that's one of the things that's so nice and easy about the iPhones and, you know, some people even use the iPads, 
uh, and the iPad Mini will probably be a little easier to take video with since it's smaller. But um, you know, the the young generation especially are really uh, using their phones for photos and video at a pretty mm-hmm. uh, rapid pace these days, and finding all kinds of uses for that. So. Um, it's just another one of the uh, applications that I imagine uh, will uh, get a lot of use, and it'll be fun to watch how that uh, uh, adds to the YouTube craze. Of course, it's it's crazy as it is, but it'll just make it uh, that much easier to get your videos up to YouTube. So did y'all notice that, or Rick, did you see that that was uh, out in the App Store now? Uh, I actually didn't. That was that was pretty news to, uh, new to me. Um you know, the maps thing, I think, is what stole all the headlines. So, I, you know, my guess is that's why it went under the radar so well. Yeah, I think so. And it it just, like I said, it was just released, uh, well, one or two days ago. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it's going to take a little time, I guess, for, for the word to get out. But um, it will, uh, I'm sure, be recognized here pretty soon. The only mm-hmm. other thing I was going to mention was, um, and this is something that uh, Barrett and I kind of, uh, experienced at, uh, at, at a place that we meet every now and then is uh, trouble with our Wi-Fi connecting to the the hotspot there. And I noticed that uh, I saw a release, I mean a news release anyway, that uh, Apple was releasing a, a Mac Wi-Fi update to improve the, the 5 gigahertz band compatibility uh, and, and make, uh, I guess, uh, connections better and more reliable but i have not seen that show up uh at least on my software updates and um i I don't know that it would uh help in the particular uh restaurant that barrett you and i um, have trouble with our connections occasionally but um i did did take note that they did have a uh, update to the uh, wi-fi software so um Maybe that'll help. We'll have to give that a try. But I wasn't able to find it on the uh, App Store yet. Uh, maybe the news release uh, got out ahead of the actual uh, software hitting the the software update. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I'm gonna keep my eye on that and try to update that as uh, soon as I can. So that was pretty much uh, what I wanted to cover for the week. Did y'all have any uh, anything else that caught your eye or uh, might be of note for this past week or so? Well, I uh, I did notice just a, a, maybe an hour ago, so I haven't had time to digest what a few of these changes are. But for those of our listeners who are big Evernote fans, and I'm a big Evernote fan, they just released maybe a few hours ago, actually, uh, uh, another update to Evernote 5 with a few uh, additional features. Uh, and those look pretty good, at... actually. Yeah, and uh, so I just upgraded just not too long ago. Oh, that's that's good to know. I think they've had a little bit of a, uh, I guess, negative publicity from their new release, or, or maybe they were having some difficulties and uh, some of the software wasn't operating as as well as it needed to. So maybe this is going to be addressing that. I, I've, you know, they made a pretty big uh, change, a drastic change in their application with a new release, and um, I just saw s- several people not as happy as you might expect about it so maybe they're trying to address some of those uh, issues uh they, they may have been but it, it appeared to me that they were more feature improvements uh, just additional well actually what it was it was for premium users and some new premium features 
oh, okay. is what they've added. So yeah, yeah, well, it says right now uh, that they they have something called related notes. Mm-hmm. So my guess is when you're working on a note, it'll show you other notes in your collection that are related to it. Um, but one complaint that I've heard is just how how it can sometimes be difficult to move notes from one notebook to another. And it says that one of the new features is you can now drag and drop notes between mm-hmm. notebooks. Um, but my guess, you know, whenever there's any major overhaul to the UI, um, you know, it, it seems as if the development team behind it sort of gets tunnel vision and they, they forget about a lot of the core features that their users are used to. Um, so my guess is that a lot of these, you know, sort of point .0 releases are, you know, a lot of those missing features that, that people really wish would come back from the, the previous version. Well, good. That'll give us something to play with over the holidays then. <laughs> Figure out how all that's uh, coming together. But that is a, a great application. And, um, you know, the beauty of it is that so many different ways you can use it. So um, we'll see how mm-hmm. that uh, how that works. Okay. Well, that's uh, a good wrap up of the past week or so, I think. And um, I think it'll be time now to move into our main segments. And uh, Barrett, I'll uh, start with you. I think uh, school is kind of winding down. Uh, Y'all are in your final exam period, I guess. But there is still um, a fair amount going on with the the pilot program for the the iPads and what uh, is going on there. And I'm sure once uh, school gets back in session, you'll be hitting the ground running full speed with that. So tell us kind of where we are and um, what's up for the next few weeks. Uh, sure. In fact, we are. We're, we're Several things are occurring right now. One of the things we wanted to make sure of was that the students who will be receiving the iPads in January as soon as school gets back in session actually know how to use the applications that we have pre-installed. Uh, we're not going to presuppose that they understand how to use Notability or Edmodo uh, or any of the apps for that matter. So we want to make them as proficient as possible, but also show them possibilities, how they can use Calendar to stay organized, how they can use Evernote to stay organized, uh, how they would use their, their Gmail accounts, that sort of thing, so that once they get the iPad and they turn it on for the first time, They'll already be familiar with all the apps on it, and they'll have a very solid working knowledge for those so that they're productive from the outset. And that actually is going to help the parents as well because we hope that when the students go home with the iPad, uh, the parents won't ask them questions. They'll be staring at the application and saying, I have no idea what that is or why I have it. And uh, so all that's going uh, taking place right now with uh, one of our teachers. The other thing we're doing is one of our teachers – is is kind of giving a a shakeout run or a test flight, as it were, pushing the limits of everything that the iPad is capable of doing uh, for how they'll be using these classrooms. So uh, he's maximizing video capabilities, file transfer capabilities, and all those sorts of things uh, just to find out what the upper limits may be. And then uh, the other thing is there's recently been a pretty significant updates to a couple key applications that our students will be using. One is called Edmodo, which is the classroom education-focused social media platform where teachers can grade, communicate, share documents with students. Students can up- upload their work to the teacher, that kind of thing. And the update has come out from Edmodo, Edmodo that uh, integrates much more tightly with Google Drive. Uh, as well as Notability and a few other applications. And then we have hired an outside technical firm to work with us and Edmodo 
to develop a very tight integration uh, with Edmodo's API and also our student information system. And the idea is that we'll have one key entry point for most of the data, and once that data is in one of the system, it's going to show up in the other. So those are the sort of things we're working on right now in preparation to handing the iPads out to some of our students. Great. That sounds good. So That's cool. When uh, when is the uh, unboxing day? <laughs> Officially January the 11th. All right. Is, uh, I guess all do the the kids know about that already? Oh yes, yes. Okay. We've we've had all of our parent meetings <laughs> and uh, sent out all of our documents and uh, all that kind of thing. And there's a lot of excitement among the students who are receiving the iPad and a whole lot of disappointment for those who have to wait. I got you. So <laughs> so basically, once uh, Alabama wins the National championship, <laughs> then they'll just jump right into the iPad, right? Yes, right. We're trying to decide, you know, what color to give them as a pad, yeah. as, a, as a cover for their iPad. There. I got so, you. Well, well, crim- Irish green or, or no, crimson? No, crim- crimson and white. Crimson and white is yeah, the way go. to go. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, I thought uh, it might be kind of fun, since this is our last uh, show of the year, to do a little bit of uh, pro- prognosticating for 2013 when it comes to um, some of our uh, uh, Apple uh, products as well as I've got uh, a Microsoft prediction as well. So um, I kind of thought we could kick around a few uh, ideas and a few guesses for what may be in store for us in 2013. So the first thing that uh, I would love to see is um, some improvements to the Apple TV. Now, there's been lots of rumors around Apple TV, whether they're going to be, you know, building a a real physical TV or improving the uh, the box that they have, the little set top box. And um, I don't I don't know. Uh, I think Apple still. My guess is they are still investigating a full size TV and what um, that could look like and how that might work. Um, I think uh, building the TV is one thing, but actually uh, generating or creating the the features and the programming and everything else is really the the uh, the trick to making that work, and and is the big challenge to making that work. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing the set top box become uh, a lot smarter and a lot more uh, feature yeah. feature rich, because you know it's it's a pretty f- nice little device right now um and they've added some things to it over the uh the course of the last few years but i think there's a lot of room for improvement and um you know uh we'll have to see what what they might do but my guess would be that they uh would and could um create a more feature rich set top box and um that's kind of what i i hope and maybe expect for Next year, seeing uh, Apple do something more with their their Apple TV set top box that they've got. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would love that. Um, I, I think we talked about this last time. I couldn't remember, but yeah, we touched um, on it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Because I, I I think that if they released an app store for the Apple TV, that would just you know, I, I think that would blow away, you know, I, I think that would just be the answer. Um, I, I think that'd be really cool. And then if they could somehow um, sort of up the ante on what AirPlay does, 
Yeah. Because um, right now, you know, you can stream music, photos, and videos, and you can do the the screen sharing, which is absolutely awesome. Um, but I, I, I wonder if they could do something where let's say you, you load like a, a video game or something on your iPad and then that, that iPad could then sort of send part of the program itself to run on the Apple TV just so that you're, you're using the hardware from both devices. Um, cause one thing I've noticed right now is that whenever you're, your screen sharing, um, or your mirroring, I'm sorry, I think is what Apple calls it, when you're mirroring, uh, your, your, your bottleneck there tends to be the processor of the iPad. Um, you know, so I, I would love to see some sort of way for them to send that from the iPad you know, to the Apple TV. Yeah, yeah, that could be uh, something they might do. Uh, the, new, the new iPad, and I haven't really had a... a a lot of time to play with this and, and work with it, but I think it does have a um, CPU that's uh, supposedly about two times what the previous one was, so uh, that might be helping that particular issue, um, but I haven't really tried it out yet. I'm going to have to give that a try. But uh, I think another thing that will be, um, if they do add uh, a number of features, is uh, the challenge will be keeping that remote simple that's you know kind of a uh, a unique feature of apple tv is the little remote that has uh you know just uh several buttons that one main button and that's about it um and uh that which is nice but of course that limits a little bit what you can do um but we'll see if uh if they keep that intact and uh, add a lot more capabilities to the box itself so uh, we'll just have to keep an eye on that and see what happens. Um, another uh, thought would be around uh, iRadio and subscription music service. Of course, they have Apple has um, their uh, iTunes and being able to to purchase and uh, music and video and all that. But uh, there have been several uh, companies that have kind of pass them by, rapidly move past them in the area of subscription music. And that's, uh, of course, Spotify and RDO are a couple of them. There's, um, I think I just saw Rhapsody has come out with an iOS app uh, the last few days. And, um, you know, uh, there, there's been some talk on the uh, Apple side as, as to trying to put something like that together. Um, I don't know. Uh, exactly where that stands. I think the main thing I've heard is uh, problems with um, uh, trying to work out a deal with Sony and Warner and Universal, the big big three companies that uh, would need to be involved if they had uh, a service like this. And that's uh, supposedly not anywhere close to being done. So um, I don't know if they still want to make that happen or not but um you know if they do if apple does want that to happen they've got plenty of cash to to make it happen uh, but it would have to be kind of a, a positive impact to their business uh, uh models i'm sure before that would happen but um i think it's a possibility uh, you know i've seen some uh notes about uh pandora that's another one that uh, is really uh, losing cash quickly with their deal, and uh, they're, they're, they've got to figure out a new 
business model, I guess, to uh, really make that work. Um, and I don't know, maybe their maybe their uh, monthly subscription fees are too low, or I don't know exactly what what the problem is there. But uh, obviously, Apple's not going to jump in if they're not going to be making any money on it. So um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. But that's that's probably an area to keep an eye on to see what might uh, what might happen with that. Do you guys think there's room for Apple to to join in that uh, that service or not? Uh, I I don't know because I I know that Apple, you know, their, their whole philosophy is that, or or at least what they think is that people want to own their music, but. You know, clearly things like Spotio or Spotify and Audio and Pandora are, are proving that to be wrong. Um, you know, my my guess is that they're going to be trying to focus on solving this TV issue first, and then they'll sort of roundabout back to it. Um, but I, I I don't think that they're too eager to to start competing with all these sort of radio streaming services. Yeah, it it might need to uh that service that business may need to mature a little bit more before Apple wants to jump into it and uh there's plenty of other uh, irons in the fire that they have going right now anyway. So mm-hmm. um yeah. may, may it's interesting because I have noticed like my my wife and I we listen to Pandora a lot. Um just either upstairs in the kitchen while we're cooking or whatever. Um it's it just we use it more for like background music, you know. Right. Um and I've just noticed that even in the last, I'd say, month, the advertisements on it have picked up tremendously. Uh, it's, it's as if every five minutes or so there's an ad where before it used to be once an hour. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's probably a good indication they're trying to uh, <laughs> raise their, some fees in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. All right. Well, how about uh, Maps? Of course, Maps, uh, the main hubbub has kind of died down a little bit on that, um, and hopefully they'll uh, they'll be continuing to make improvements. But that's a pretty big uh, area to to really make improvements quickly. But uh, I think I think Apple has a a uh, a lot riding on that to really improve it and and um, yeah, they've got uh I guess their reputation on the line there. So I think we will continue to see a lot of uh improvements over time with the Apple Maps application. I know they've been hiring a lot of uh staff and they've even been recruiting uh talent from rivals in terms of trying to uh, uh beef up that area and uh really make um, some major improvements there, so I think they're definitely trying to restore their pride and um, you know make the Apple Maps application just as good, if not better, uh, in perception as the uh, Google Maps application. So uh, there probably won't be a lot that we'll see there just uh, on the forefront, but I think uh, that will continue to uh, be an area that that Apple's going to make improvements in. Um, so I don't know if there's a lot more to be said on that one, but uh, uh, that's kind of where I see things going in that area. And then uh, Siri, um, you know, it's been in beta now for, what, about two or three years? Or <laughs> I forget exactly when mm-hmm. they when they introduced Siri, but they've got... Yeah, uh, right along beside that iPhone for us. Yeah, yeah. So they've got some uh, pretty good... Um, 
competition now with the, the Google search app. Uh, of course, it's it doesn't work exactly the same way as Siri does, but uh, if you guys have used it, it it makes Siri look really slow. I mean, it it's I'm not exactly sure how they are um, uh, processing under the covers to to make that application work, but. Yeah, you know, one of the neat things about that is it uh, pretty much as soon as you speak the word, it prints it out on the screen, so it knows exactly what you're saying, and you can see it uh, type up exactly what you say almost instantaneously. Uh, and then, of course, the response is is pretty quick too. So um, Siri may may uh, need to uh, be aware of what Google's doing there and try to boost their their speed and um, uh, increase their integration as well. And, uh, you know, uh, interesting areas that, that Siri could show up would be uh, on that Apple TV like we were talking about, as well as uh, on the uh, OS X, on the, the desktop uh, operating system as well. So we'll have to see what uh, what they uh, how they might improve Siri over uh, the, ne- the course of the next year. But... You know, maybe we'll see that beta uh, stamp removed and it be uh, uh, considered production here pretty soon with some some new improvements. So I'd love to see that, um, and uh, we'll just have to watch, see what they do. On uh, the the final thing that I had was um, Windows 8, and I don't know a whole lot about it. I've taken a few glances at it and seen a few write-ups about it uh, and played with them played with a few demo uh, machines in, in Best Buy and stores when I walk in and uh, kind of have a hard time getting past the um, startup screen or that uh, the, the panels that, that they have now on the uh, start screen, trying to figure out exactly where to go with it from there. But um, there seems to be a little bit of confusion over the new interface, just talking with uh, different people. And um, the advertising that I've seen has been somewhat unimpressive in that it's uh, hard to <laughs> it's hard to understand exactly what they're what they're trying to uh to advertise. Have you guys seen the one? Yeah. I, I think it's the it's their their password protection um uh way of doing things where there's a picture and you see uh, the hand kind of writing over the picture doing some circles and some uh gestures with it. Uh, and it took me a little while to figure out exactly what they were doing, but it's I guess it's just the the pattern, the writing pattern or the graphics pattern uh, to actually get uh, past the, the the lock screen and into the computer. Um, and I've asked a few people when they were watching it, you know, if they understood what was going on, and <laughs> especially if it was a, if it was the first time, they didn't really get it. And uh, have y'all noticed that advertisement? Did y'all understand what that was all about? Yeah, but uh, you know, those of us doing this podcast are probably a little more engaged in terms of technology than the average person. But even if you get it, I'm wondering how compelling that is as a selling proposition. Yeah, I mean, is that really what interests a person uh, in expending a good bit of money for a new product? Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm no expert on product launch launches, but everything that I can tell, although my, my background is in business, uh, from what, it, my general impression of it is it's been botched pretty poor, pretty badly. Uh, everything from the confusion over the Windows RT, and then you have to wait for the the Surface Pro, uh, the high level pricing that's involved, uh, the confused advertising. 
Uh, I don't know. It just, I don't, it, there just doesn't feel much interest. And I used Windows for over 20 years until about two years ago. And so it's not as though I'm a complete Mac fan and have no familiarity and uh, comfort level with the Windows environment. But uh, I just, nothing about it feels compelling. And uh, the tiles, they strike me as more valuable as far as providing live uh, information, perhaps. You know, you can glance at something, see it, go to it if you need to. But as far as a navigation scheme uh, to actually run the system, it, it, it doesn't look fluid and natural in some respects. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that um, wholeheartedly. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if, I don't think they're trying to be uh, like Apple, per se, but they are trying to be, you know, definitely change the user interface. But I, I'm afraid they've gone in the wrong direction. And, um, yeah, it used to be, okay, you, you use Windows, and if you wanted something a little different or a change, you, you looked at Apple. But now, you know, you don't even have a familiar uh, computer operating system to fall back to if, if you have to. And I just, I don't. I don't see uh, the, the uptake rate being very good on it, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I do know when I was in uh, in the store, in the AT&T store, uh, getting my iPad this week, I asked the guys in there what they were selling the most of, and, of course, they said the, the iPhones and the iPads and uh, some Android stuff, and I just asked them, I said, what about the Windows 8 phone? And he said, uh, I think we've sold a couple of those. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so. Well, you, know, you know, Bill, in terms of the Surface, the only folks I can envision perhaps that where it might have a real interest is the Surface Pro in which the company pays for it. And you have primarily war, uh, road warriors and other professionals who perhaps really aren't a part of the Apple ecosystem at this point want a tablet device that is built and designed to run the office suite. Those would be the folks that, to me, it might make sense to, but that's a smaller and, I think, a shrinking market overall, given the bring-your-own-device movement that's currently in place. Yeah. So yeah. that that would be the target market, I would think, right. uh, the device primarily. Yeah, I agree, but um, you know they're losing a little bit of ground there as well as um, pages and numbers and and Apple's uh, applications that, you know, are, are the uh, comparable apps to uh, Windows are rapidly improving and, and becoming more and more um, uh, similar in terms of functionality. Uh, so so that gap is kind of narrowing as well. And um, yeah, I don't know how much longer um, the Office Suite is really going to have the upper hand uh, in that comparison. So... Um, yeah, and along those lines, Bill, one of my, I don't know if it's a prediction as much as hope, uh, is that uh, Apple <laughs> in 2013 will release a, a pretty significant upgrade to iWorks. Uh, they're doing it around yeah. the edges with integration with iCloud, uh, but the fact is that uh, Office Suite, if you want to call it that, has not been updated really since 2009. That That's a long time. Right, right. They they have, I did see, uh, I don't guess they have up dated the the suite per se but of course they are making a lot of uh uh 
individual updates to the different apps. I, I think I did see just recently where Pages now has um, some capabilities, some tracking capability and uh, yeah. note, notation and, um, you know, that type of thing, which they were, uh, you know, was a big differentiation between Word and Pages there for a while. So um, they're coming along with that, which I know a lot of people that use Word, you know, as a serious application, um, uh, you know, Pages is beginning to uh, really come come closer to Word in that area as well. So, um, well, Rick, you're you've got a lot of experience. You do a lot of training on these uh, on Pages and other things. What what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I, I agree with everything that's been said. Um, it, I, I do think that it's a little embarrassing that at least the Mac apps. Like, like you said, haven't been updated since 2008. Um, on iOS, it seems like what Apple has been doing is getting the iOS versions on like feature parity with the Mac, just so they're, they're exactly the same. Um, and I think that's what that last update really did. Um, you know, now that you can track changes on an iPad is phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm also in grad school, and so one thing that I'll start doing now that this update is coming through. You know, I'll, I'll type a paper on my Mac, but then I'll hand my iPad to my wife, turn on change, you know, track changing, and say, "Hey, do you mind looking over this?" And just so that she can, make, you know, mark it up and whatnot. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, but now, now that that, now that everything's sort of on par with each other, you know, I, I still think that there's a lot more progress that can be made in iWork. Um, especially in, in regards to collaboration. I mean, it's the way that it's set up right now is you have your documents and they're on your iCloud and so you can access them from your devices. But if you want to share that thing out, you know, it's, it's a one-way street. You're going to send it to them um, and just hope that it fares well. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. and, and I would, you know, I would guess Barrett in, in the school setting you know, I, I know that you use Google Docs a lot. Um, my, my question is, do you think that if Apple updated iWork and added some sort of collaboration tools to it, do you think that would render Google Docs obsolete? It could. Look, I, we would prefer to stick with one um, platform rather than having multiple platforms. So theoretically, mm -hmm. yes, but I think iCloud is so far in, uh, from where Google is. In other words, where Google is so far ahead in terms of what they're offering on the collaborative front that they'd have to make some major leap forwards to, to get even close to parity. I'll give you a prime example of working on a, a letter that goes out to all of, you know, of our 2,000 parents uh, coming up here shortly. Uh, I drafted it in Google, had different staff review it, that kind of thing, but because it was, but Google's not good at creating a good, nice-looking letter or document. It's good right. for a good draft, mm -hmm. internal communications, internal collaboration, but it's not something I necessarily want to use for a very polished product. But once I have yeah, the basic text all. off, no, it's not. So once it's all finished, I then copy and paste it into pages, make it look appropriate into letterhead and everything else. Then that's what we send out as a PDF, essentially. Uh, so there's a three-step process. Uh, it, it's got its values. It's not that complicated. But I would much rather do that all within iCloud and pages itself as sort of a seamless process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would love it um, just for 
projects and you know small offices to have some sort of iCloud collaboration would just mm-hmm. you know to me that that's just creme de la creme. But you know I'm never satisfied with this stuff anyway. You know it, it always <laughs> leaves me wanting for more. They'll they'll come out with a feature and I'll feel very content for about five minutes, uh, and, and then I'll want something else. <laughs> yeah. All if right. we just remember what it was, uh, you know, when we had dial-up and uh, none of this collaboration, maybe we'll appreciate <laughs> right. what we have more. <laughs> so. Yeah, we're we're never mm. satisfied, are we? <laughs> no, uh-uh. no. Uh, but uh, okay, well, what about uh, y'all? Have any other predictions? Any other thoughts come to mind as we were discussing this? The world will not end um. Friday. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Well, I've heard that they found they found another Mayan calendar that went you know way on into the future. So oh, okay. So we're we're good right. there, I think. All right, very good. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, well, I was just going to say that you know it might be fun. I, this this shows uh, how much of a geek I am. I actually have a, a text file that I keep, um, and it's just kind of my own wish list for iOS seven. Perfect. So. I thought it might be fun to, some of them are pretty nitty gritty and I'll just kind of keep those to myself for now. But, um, you know, there's, there's a couple big things that, you know, it, it, maybe it's a prediction, but it's really more of a wish list. And I thought it might be fun to kind of hear your all's um, thoughts and opinions about these. Is that okay? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so one thing I thought would be really cool is bringing airdrop to iOS. Uh, you know how now, um, are you guys familiar with airdrop on the Mac? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you just easily drag and drop a file from one computer to another. You know, I thought it would be really neat if you could, if there was either an AirDrop app on your iPhone or, you know, something like that where someone could send you a file from their Mac or maybe their iPhone directly over to yours without needing to email it just because with really big files, that could be super helpful. Yeah. Um, And my guess is it would be as easy as integrating it into that normal share dialogue that you see everywhere. Um, you know, with that, that dialogue that prompts you if you want to message or mail or tweet it or whatever, you know, right. AirDrop was one of those options. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's one thing. Um, another thing, and, and I see this especially with parents who are giving their, their teenagers, um, and sometimes even, you know, younger, they'll, they'll give kids these iPhones and iPads or iPod touches or whatnot, um, I really want to see some increased parental controls on those devices. Um, you have that with the Mac right now. You know, you can set up a, another user on a Mac and put some pretty impressive parental controls on there. Um, I, I didn't mean to alliterate with my P's, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think parental controls on a on an iPhone would just be great, so that you know you can set up either a whitelist or a blacklist of, of appropriate websites. Um, just so that you know that you know when you give your your child this device that's capable of surfing the internet, uh, they're not stumbling across any websites that they really shouldn't be at. Sure. Um, why do you think they I haven't think, done that? Why do you, Why do you think? Um, I mean, I know it's a different platform and it, it's a little more complicated, but uh, why do you think we hadn't seen that already? Um, my guess is just because. I I actually think that Apple's teams are a lot smaller than we think. Um, and my guess is they've got a big old list that they're working on. And for whatever reason, I guess parental controls hasn't been towards the top of that list. 
Yeah. Um, so it just hasn't been done yet. I mean, it just it has to be on their radar because they've done such a phenomenal job with it on the Mac side. Um, but you know, it, it probably would require a little bit more horsepower on the machine on the device. Um, but you know, then again, with these A5 chips that are that are coming out in the devices, or oh, and yeah. now even doesn't the new one have an A6 or something? Um, they're just insanely fast. So you know, my hope is that it would be able to actively filter web pages as you're visiting them. But you know, my my guess is that the answer is somewhere in there. You know, it's they're they're definitely not choosing to not do that because. You know, they want these devices to be in schools and, you know, in homes as much as possible. Yeah. Um, they, they don't want security to be the reason why someone's not getting one of these devices. Right. Hey, Barrett, um, the, the security software that uh, y'all are going to be using on the iPad, would it work on the iPhone as well? And it's a third-party application, but would it work on the iPhone as well? I don't know the answer to that. My understanding is the company's working on that component of it as well, but I don't know that they have the app designed for the iPhone just yet. Yeah, okay. But it works great I on the found iPad. One. What, what's it called? The one I'm using is, uh, what we're using whether is WebSense Triton Mobile. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I found uh, and, one called uh, MobiClip um, mm-hmm. or MobiKip or something like that, M-O-B-I-C-I-P. Um, but what you do is you, you go into the iPhone, uh, into the settings to a section called restrictions and you turn off the ability to use Safari on the iPad or, 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 or the iPhone. You know, I'm using them interchangeably here, but you turn off Safari and then you download this app called MobiClip or MobiKip and you, you set up an account under your own name, the parent, um, and then you, you set the certain you know, restrictions and, and age of the child and whatnot, uh, and then you password protect this app. Um, but this app then becomes the web browser. So it's, you know, the, the child wouldn't use Safari. They would use this MobiKip app. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a free app. Um, they have a, a paid version of it that's subscription-based. And so Rick, I, I think let, let me ask you a yeah, let me ask you a question though. Uh, how does that work in the context of using another app that may bring up web pages within itself? For, so, for example, mm-hmm. let's say they're using Flipboard or they're using Zite or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in those cases, you know, you're you're loading a web page within the app right. itself. You're not going to a mm-hmm. separate browser. You're you're totally right. I mean, this this restriction is only within that app. Um, in that situation, what I would do. Uh, if I were the parent, I would also, in the iPhone settings, I would turn off the ability for the child to install additional apps. Right. Um, so I, I would just make sure that they can't install Flipboard or right. you know, a- any of those other web browsing apps. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the there's a lot of weak points in that. Um, I think the primary weak point is picking a four-digit pass lock that the child won't be able to guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Kids have, you know, so much free time, and you know, if, if you've got a driven kid, they might just try every single four-digit code that they can think of and eventually get it. Um, which that means that they would be able to undo all of those parental restrictions that you just put in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, my my solution to to this seems to me to be fairly uh, simple and straightforward, and that would be if you could put in uh, the DNS servers. 
for yeah. not only you know your Wi-Fi network, which you can do that, but if there was a way that you could you know specify what DNS servers you wanted it to use when you're on the uh, the mobile network, mm-hmm. and that would you know if you could put in like a Open DNS uh, DNS servers exactly. or something like that, to me that would cover 99% of what you would mm-hmm. want to take care of, and and um, that's a pretty simplistic approach, but that doesn't seem like that would be all that hard to do. Um, yeah, I was actually surprised because I, I thought I saw that at one point, um, but I, I actually went back and looked at this um, a week or two ago, but you, you're absolutely right. You cannot change the DNS settings on an iPhone or iPad. No. Um, so that's, you know, when, when a parent comes to me with, with this sort of concern, the, the first thing I do is go to their router um, and install OpenDNS. And, and for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, that is a service. It's a free service. You can go to OpenDNS.com um, and, and sign up for an account, and they give you instructions on how to change what's called the DNS settings on your router. And what this does is it filters all of your home's Internet um, through their servers for, um, and, and it will filter out any you know adult or illegal content. Um, and it's, you know, and, and I even have it on mine, and my children aren't browsing the Internet, but I just put that up there because I'm on Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, if one of my friend's Twitter accounts gets hacked and I don't know that and they start posting things, you know, I, I don't want to ero- erroneously click on something else. Sure. Um, so I, you know, it's, it's something that I, I strongly suggest for everybody, even if your kids don't yet have um, web browsing capabilities, just because, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to stumble upon that stuff accidentally. Yeah, no, I think it's a great service and is relatively mm-hmm. easy to, to set up on, especially on your home network, so that um, everybody that, you know, gets a connection would be uh, filtered through that. So that's the way I've got, got mine set up, and uh, I just feel like it would be one of the easiest, most straightforward approaches to um, uh, filtering the iPhone, not only when you're on your Wi-Fi network, but on the the mobile network as well. Hey Bill, mm-hmm. does that yeah. uh, one you, you might want to consider putting the basic instructions up in the show notes for listeners who might be interested in doing that, maybe a link uh, yeah. to that. But th- does that also though? I, I think maybe you said this, but that that uh, works on the cellular connection as well, not just the Wi-Fi. No, no, it doesn't work on the cellular ne- uh, network. Okay, that that's the problem okay. because we don't have yeah. control yeah. on the iPhone to be able to. Um, yeah determine or, or dedicate what DNS servers you use. See, that's done mm-hmm. over the uh, over the cellular network, so um, we so have no control. Parents, yeah. So the iPhone, you, you may have more trouble, but if you only gave a Wi-Fi-only iPad, you'd have more control. That's true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Or an iPod Touch. Yeah. Um, so the next one that I have up is, uh, and this is kind of geeky, but I think it would be really neat if Apple opened up uh, the Spotlight API for developers. Um, you know how on your iPhone when you swipe over to the left and then you're you're presented with that search yep. business and you can search your your address book, um, you can search your notes, um, what else? Your calendars, music, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be really neat if they enabled third-party developers to have their own things that they can incorporate into that. So. Say, for example, they open this up and um, pages would obviously take advantage of it. And let's say you could do a spotlight search for all of your pages documents um, 
or, you know, your numbers documents or, you know, Google Drive documents, anything like that. Um, so just kind of the same way that Spotlight works on your computer, you know, it looks for any file. Yeah. I just think it'd be super cool if you could do that on your iPhone or iPad. Yeah, that would um, be good. That'd be great. Yeah, and then in addition to that, um, it'd be super cool if you could, if, if that integrated with Siri. So you could pick up your phone and say to Siri, you know, show me my invoice in pages. And then it would flip over and open the pages and then show you the invoice that you're looking for. Um, you know, I would, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm always wanting more, but I, I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something like we were talking about, Siri, adding uh, some capabilities. Maybe they could uh, mm -hmm. take some notes on that. That'd be good. Yeah, if they could search within apps, I think that'd be super. Um, and then the other one, this is kind of um, you know a, a nitpicky thing, but you know I, I like the way, and it, it's regards to uh, notifications. Um, I like the way that notifications work with text messages right now, where if you get a text message and you look at it on your iPad, um, it gets marked as red, and so when you go to your iPhone, it doesn't show a, a red badge showing that same, for that same notification. Um, I wish that they enabled that for everything. So say, for example, you get a notification for Twitter or, I don't know, Find My Friends or something like that. You know, If you're like me, you get notified on all of your devices at the same time, and you kind of have to dismiss each one on each device. And so I just think it would be neat if, if your notification read unread status synced across um, iCloud. Um, that's one thing. And then my last thing is I, I use the remote app on my iPhone all the time to control my Apple TV or uh, to control um, the iTunes on my Mac, mm -hmm. um, just because that, that's sort of connected to my home stereo system. Um, I think it would be really nice if that remote app if the audio playback controls integrated with um, the the audio playback controls that you can view from the lock screen on your iPhone, um, you know how you know some some listeners might not be familiar with this, but if you double click your home button on your iPad or your iPhone, you get your audio playback controls. And as it stands right now, that's only useful for um, music apps that are running on your iPhone. Um, so I just think it'd be neat if they also incorporated that with the, the remote app as well. Um, just so you can quickly control your home stuff. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's a little bit of of my iOS seven wish list. Yeah, no, those are those are great ideas. I hope uh, Apple hope is Apple's listening. listening. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly, <indeed>. exactly. <laughs> so, um, one question I had on uh, your remote app: uh, Can you use that with your Apple TV? I thought I saw somewhere where you had to have uh, either your Apple TV jailbroken or something to uh, make that. Oh work. no, no. Okay. No, it's it's built right in. Uh, in fact, you can do gestures on your iPhone. So swiping from the left to the right uh, moves the cursor of your Apple TV up and down, left and right. Um, yeah, I, what I really like about it is that on your Apple TV, whenever you get prompted to type something, uh, if you're using the remote app on your iPhone, the keyboard slides up. And so rather than using the clicker to spell out you know, yeah, the name of the movie yeah. or whatever, you just type it in using your phone. Right, right. Yeah, it seems like I have used that before, but last time I looked at it, I was confused about something, so I need to check that out again. Yeah, they need to streamline it. It's not the most intuitive app. Yeah, yeah, but that's definitely a better way to uh, control your TV than with that little clicker. 
because that's uh yeah that can be uh monotonous at best so yeah. <laughs> all right it, it, it tempted to throw the remote very very far yeah exactly okay well let's uh move into our apps and followings kind of shut things down here pretty quickly but uh barrett you got some uh picks for us this week yeah, I've got a couple here. As far as an iOS app, uh, I do a, a good bit of travel and uh, some international travel. Uh, and uh, I, I use, and, and plus I'm often uh, video conferencing with folks in other parts of the world. And so it's important for me to be able to understand what the time zone is uh, in, anywhere in the world, how far ahead of me they are to be able to convert that time, anticipate it in a week or two. Uh, and so for both travel and video conferencing, uh, I use a, uh, a program called World Clock Gold. It's only about $1.99, but it's got to be about one of the best uh, clocks available if you need uh, time zone and world clock capabilities. And there's a whole lot of features to it. It's got different types of, you know, you can do analog, digital, all sorts of different type of display options. But what is really handy is it includes built-in clock and calendar together and time zone converter um, for any time zone that you need to check on, and then you can you can say, well, seven days from now, what time would it be if I want to call them at 10 o'clock my time seven days from now? And it has a capability of showing you that. Uh, so you have that capability. Uh, you have a time zone map. It's got a built-in uh, accuracy uh, connection. So, for example, you can connect directly uh, to the atomic clock to synchronize your your clocks. Etc. It is a very powerful, well-designed, almost beautiful application, all for a dollar ninety-nine. And so, I'd highly recommend it if you need those kinds of capabilities. Yeah, that sounds cool. good. Cool. Yeah, it's called World Clock. Uh, World Clock Gold. I think it's a dollar ninety-nine, if I'm not mm. mistaken. So, and uh, my Twitter pick this week would be the next web. Uh, all one word, the next web, and basically the next web provides international news on technology, business, and culture. So it covers more than just technology, but with a focus on technology. Uh, and as I recall, I think they had something like 800 plus, or 800,000 plus followers. Uh, and I, um, I get a lot of good Twitter feed information from them, but I also have them as part of my Zite and or my Flipboard reading list. Uh, because of the good uh, information that they have. All right, Barrett. Well, thank you for uh, those picks. Appreciate that. I had a a couple myself this week. Uh, one is a little app called Thirty Thirty, and um, it's a real simple iPhone and iPad app. Um, if you're looking for it, I think it's actually Thirty Slash Thirty is the way it's written up. Um, but it's uh, a real simple little app that lets you. Uh, track your tasks and uh, you can uh, associate a time period so if during the day I've got three tasks that I want to do one of them takes an hour another one takes 30 minutes and another one might take <coughs> an hour and a half or something I can put that in uh, this little app and it allows me to um, to kind of time each one of those and it's a pretty neat little uh, app to play with. In fact, it, it's uh, based on gestures pretty heavily and how you use it. And um, it's a lot of fun to, to actually use as well as to kind of keep you on task. So you might want to uh, check that out. Uh, and the other nice thing about it is uh, it is cloud, uh, iCloud uh, compatible. So if you enter in your little 
to-do list on your iPhone, and it will immediately show up on your iPad. And um, just kind of a, a slick little app. I don't know if you're familiar with Clear. That was kind of a, a similar app in that uh, it was heavily based on gestures and how you entered uh, items into it. And this takes it a couple of steps further in um, how you do things. So you might want to check that out. And um, it's, uh, like I say, it's it's helpful if you want to allocate certain time amounts for different uh, chores or tasks that you've got throughout the day. And uh, it kind of helps you uh, stay focused on, on what you're doing in that regard. And my Twitter pick for this week is... Um, a lady that uh, her name is Shelley Terrell, and she refers to herself as an education thought provoker. I think she is an author and international speaker, and she just has a lot of good uh, information on Twitter about uh, education and um, a lot of topics related to uh, technology in education and uh, you know current trends and and uh, ideas uh, around educational. Feel. So uh, if you're not familiar with her, um, she's actually uh, S-H-E-L-L-T-E-R-R-E-L-L. Shell Terrell uh, is her uh, uh, Twitter name. So um, that would be my Twitter pick for this week. How about you, Rick? Well, uh, I've, I've got a couple. My, my app pick is an app called 1Password. Um, do either of you use 1Password? Uh, I don't. We did have uh we had a discussion a while back on some password keepers. I'm familiar with it, but um, tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about it. Yeah, uh, and it actually was just updated this last week. Um, it's probably part of the reason why I, I didn't notice the YouTube one, just because my nose was sort of really deep into this One Password app. Um, but I've I've been a customer of One Password for several several years. Um, and what I like about it is it integrates with Safari on your Mac. Um, and so whenever you enter in a password somewhere, it asks uh, if, if it's okay for 1Password to remember it. Um, but the other really neat thing about 1Password is that it will generate strong passwords for you. Uh, and so I actually don't know what the passwords are to my banks and a lot of other, you know, really safe and secure things um, because it's, safe in 1Password. So when I go to the bank and I need to log in, uh, I click the 1Password button in Safari, and I enter the 1Password that I actually do need to remember, and that's called the master password. Uh, So when I enter in that master password, uh, 1Password then enters in my credentials and processes me through uh, to the website. So um, that's kind of a basic functionality of it. Uh, It stores your information in a very, very highly encrypted database, um, and I believe that the, the kind of technology that they use um, has never been hacked before. Um, it's, you know, military-grade uh, data encryption, um, so it's, it's very, very trustworthy, um, but it will also keep uh, wallet information, so like credit cards, um, you know, membership cards, hunting license, driver's license, all that sort of stuff. Um, you can also use it to store software, license, uh, just lots of little different pieces of information. So I, you know, I, I use it for all of this stuff. Well, anyway, um, they just released a new version for iOS, and they've really streamlined a lot of superfluous stuff out of it, which makes it way more useful. 
they made it quicker to hop in and out of the app, but yet still maintaining a high level of security on it. Uh, and all of, you know, no matter which device you're on, the 1Password database syncs between all of them. Um, so I, I really like it. Uh, it's right now they have it on sale for 50% off in the App Store. Uh, it's $7.99. And I think that they said, uh, I can't remember if it's after Christmas or after December, uh, they're going to up the price, um, I think, up to 15 bucks. So, yeah. Is, is, is the so, is, is the OSX version on sale as well, or do you know? Um, I don't know. Usually, it's usually it's pretty pricey. I think it, it can. I've seen it up to like fifty or so. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's my guess is that it, it is on sale right now. Um, in fact, I can just pull that up while I'm talking. Um, but like I said, I love this program, and I always hesitated when I was recommending it for my customers just because, you know, it, it can be very difficult, I think, for someone to take that leap of faith to, um, you know, trust a program with all of your passwords. Um, but with this latest release, because it's so easy to use, um, I'm, I'm pretty quick to recommend it. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, I've, I use one called eWallet, and um, it, served uh-huh. me, it served me well over the past number of years i've had i've used it uh and the main reason i haven't switched over is because like i say it it takes care of my needs but also one password has been a little bit pricey but if i could find it on mm-hmm. sale uh, at a decent price i might i might make the switch i don't yeah. know yeah right now the one on mac is still listed as 50 bucks which i you know that's it's a great piece of software but Gosh, fifty dollars is a lot to spend yeah. on on a program. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I've been a customer of theirs for years. Um, but anyway, that I think that can bring up another pick. Um, but there's an app out there called App Shopper, and what I really like about App Shopper is you punch in the names of apps that you want, and then it'll send you push notifications when those apps go on sale. Yeah, that's uh, cool. So a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times I'm like. Um, Black Friday, for example, I, I got a ton of notifications on stuff that got <laughs> on sale, right. um, things like that. So, you know, you can plug one password away in, into something like App Shopper. Uh, okay. So as a Twitter pick, um, I picked a gentleman. His name is Fraser Spears, and he's British, so he spells Fraser um, F-R-A-S-E-R, and then Spears, S-P-E-I-R-S. And Fraser is, he's, He's great in the education world. Um, He actually started the first iPad one-to-one deployment, um, I think, in Edinburgh. Um, Yeah, so anyway, what what he decided to do is is blog all of his journeys through all of this. And so you can go back um, through his archives and sort of read the story of the challenges of deploying uh, first-generation iPads on software version 3. Um, so this is before Apple Configurator and before a lot of the deployment tools that are out there now. Um, but anyway, you know, obviously, if you don't have a lot of time in your hands, going through and reading that old stuff might not be very interesting. But he continues to blog about um, just a lot of the modern um, challenges in deploying iPads um, to an entire school. Uh, he's also really big into Evernote, and so he's got some very crafty ways of using Evernote uh, for education. Um, so. You know, this being an education podcast, I thought he'd be an excellent resource to bring up. Um, and he's 
you know, he, I've tried to chat to him every now and then on Twitter, and you know sometimes he responds, sometimes he doesn't. Um, you know, so, so some of the guys who who I like to mention on Twitter are ones who respond to everything you say, but Fraser's definitely not one of those guys. Um, I think he likes to keep to himself yeah. uh, in the Twitter world, but you know he's still pretty good to follow. Right. Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I have uh, I have I follow him as well, and uh, he's got some interesting cool. uh, tidbits out there. So, all yeah. right, well, very good. Well, um, that pretty much wraps up our show for today. Um, and this is, like we said, our last show for this year. So we will be back in the first part of January. But in the meantime, don't forget to follow us on the internet. Um, I'm uh, uh, on Twitter at Bill Brazil, and my website's BillBrazil.com. And Barrett, you're out there on Twitter as B Mossbacker. And uh, Rick, I think you're on Twitter as uh, STWRZ. Um, and then mm-hmm. your website is TheMacInstructor.com. So you can check us out there. And I uh, hope everybody. Here and everybody that's listening has a wonderful Christmas and a good time uh, with family and friends and a happy new year. And uh, we will be back uh, after the new year. And then um, again, thanks for listening in and be sure to tell your friends and um, tell us, tell them about us and the uh, things that we talk about. But uh, in the meantime, I uh, hope you have a good holiday and uh, we will talk with you at the first of next year. So goodbye for now.